alive and he is working. Um, and just in terms of how alive he is, I think he wants us to remind us of something about his resurrection and about how powerful he is. So we're going to read a story from Luke 24. It will come up on the screen. Um, just follow it with me. The wording up there may be slightly different from the version I've got. doesn't really matter. Um, so what's been happening, there's a group of followers of Jesus now, disciples, um, and they're now pretty confused as to what's going on because they've seen Jesus crucified. And they never thought that would happen. Um, they thought Jesus was the Messiah. And the Messiah, who was to be descended from David, was going to be a king like David was. And if he was going to be a king like King David, then that means he would have an army and he would overthrow the Romans and make Israel great again. That's what they thought would happen. And we forget that because we know the Messiah died. So of course he's not going to have an army. The disciples didn't know that. They didn't know the Messiah was going to die. The Messiah was supposed to be like David. And David was one of the greatest kings that God's people had ever had. And he defeated all their enemies. So if Jesus is the Messiah, and sometimes with his teaching and what he says, he looks like he is, and other times he looks like he doesn't, because sometimes the crowds want to make him king, and he walks away from them. And the disciples are confused, and now they've seen him crucified by the religious authorities who they thought the Messiah would lead, and by the Romans who they thought he would overthrow. It's now Sunday. It's what we call Easter. We know the story, but there's some things we miss sometimes. Um, what's happened so far is that Mary, with some of the other women, have gone to the tomb to anoint the body. They get to the tomb, and it's empty. And they turn and think it's the gardener. And they say to the gardener, what have you done with the body? And Jesus, the gardener, says this. Why are you looking for the um, living among the dead? And maybe the angels that say that. I should have checked. Anyway, those lines get said. <laughs> See, he calls her name, Mary. She realizes it's him. She runs back to the disciples. The disciples, thinking the women are telling stories or they've maybe seen a ghost because they believed in ghosts, run to the tomb. And they, see the, and they see that it's empty. So they then go back. Two of them, two of Jesus' followers, leave Jerusalem and walk to a village called Emmaus. Those are the two we're going to read about. So there's stories that maybe Jesus is alive, but in their worldview, they believe you could see spirits. So we think, well, of course it's Jesus. Yeah, but they didn't think that. They think it could just be his spirit. So he's dead because they saw the body, and he's been put in a tomb, but maybe it's his spirit that people are seeing. That's the backdrop to what's going on. So let's begin to read this. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing them. Listen to this bit. I think it's meant to be funny. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, faces downcast, because they're fed up, they're sad. We thought he was the Messiah. We've seen him killed. We've been following him, listening to his teaching. And so for them, they'd invested their lives in this, and now it's all come to an end. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, here's the funny bit, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened in these days? He is the only one. 
but he's been at the center. It's not that he hasn't heard. I'm sure that Luke wrote this with a kind of sense of humor in this. I'm sure Jesus enjoyed this funny moment. We kind of read these kind of things, and because it's holy and, and about Jesus, we miss the humor. This is meant to be a little bit funny. Jesus is surprising them. He's suddenly appeared. He knows exactly what they're thinking. He knows exactly what's going on. He doesn't let them recognize him. And they turn to him and say, are you the only one? I bet afterwards they teased each other about that French. You, you, Cleopas, you, you opened your mouth. Is he the only one? And it was Jesus all along. That's funny. (laughs) In case you're thinking, no, I'm not sure he meant to laugh at this. Jesus says, what things? He plays along. What things? Tell me more. Come on. Why are you fed up? Why are you so? It's Jesus. He's been on the cross. He's now risen again. And he says, come on then, tell me. Why are you fed up? Why are you sad? What's been going on? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. Chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. But we had hoped. We had hoped. He was the one who was going to redeem, rescue Israel. What's more, it's the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning. They didn't find his body. They came and told us they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of our companions went to the tomb, found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. So they're downcast, they don't understand what's going on, and they can't work out, is he alive, isn't he? Is it his ghost? Isn't it his ghost? He said to them, (laughs) how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Beginning with Moses, all the prophets, this is a lot of the Old Testament, what we call today the Old Testament, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. What a walk. Picture the scene. There they are, they're walking along the dusty road. Two, two and a half hour walk towards the end of the day. We know that because of what's coming up. Jesus appears, they've got no idea it's him. They unburden themselves. And Jesus begins to tell them stories. Genesis, Moses, Abraham the prophets, about why these things had to happen. Say, now listen, didn't the prophets say this? Didn't the prophets say that? Didn't the prophets say this? As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. Again, Jesus is just teasing them a bit. They still don't recognize him. I'm I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Just another traveler. They've got no idea. They urged him strongly, stay with us. It's nearly evening. The day is over. So, he went to stay in with them. That's Middle Eastern hospitality. That's not unique to this story. That's what would happen. If you've been work, walking with a traveler and it's evening, well, of course you, you bring him in to your spare room and you give him food. That's what happens. That would still happen today in many parts of the Middle East. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. We'll look at that in a few minutes. The humor thing, he just disappears. <laughs> After all of that, they don't recognize him. They kind of moan, we don't know what's going on. Don't you know? Are you the only one who hasn't heard what's happening? And then he breaks bread, gives thanks for it. It's him! It's clear past! It's G- Where'd he go? Where's he gone? What's, what's he doing? Now what's going on? We just realized it's him. And he just whoosh, disappears. He's gone. No idea how he did that. He's gone, vanished. 
Just put yourself there. This is meant to be a little bit humorous and shocking and confusing all at the same. We just read it. Oh, yeah, Jesus disappears. Jesus, he can do that. No, he's meant to be dead. Then he's there. Then he's gone again. They asked each other, listen, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures? God was working. Their hearts were burning as Jesus explained to them. I didn't know it was him. But Jesus explained, and they said, weren't our hearts burning? Doesn't this begin to make sense? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, so that's Jesus' main group of disciples, and those with them assembled together. And, and they said, it's true, the Lord's risen, <clears throat> and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus has recognized them when he broke bread. So Simon has seen him, and, but they're all in the room talking about it, and then these two come back. And say, but we've seen him as well. Let's look at this for the next 15, 20 minutes. There's a few things in here Jesus wants to remind us about. What's going on in this story? Why is this so prominent? See, the resurrection, as we know now, is one of the events in history. Everything changes from that point. Those of you who are more familiar with your Bibles will know what Jesus is doing when he talks from the prophets about pointing to this is this is God rescuing the world. Nothing like this has happened before. Some miracles have been done. Jesus himself had raised someone called Lazarus to life. Jesus had raised a widow's son to life. That resurrections have appeared already in the story. The difference with Jesus was he was never going to die again. In a few days' time, he was going to ascend to heaven, showing that he really was the king. This is God rescuing the cosmos from all the wickedness and evil and everything that was broken in creation. This is the event. This is the culmination of everything that has happened from Genesis in the Old Testament through all of those stories. They're all pointing to Jesus with the wickedness and injustice, with world rulers, just as there are today, the Old Testament's full of them, wicked people, terrible things happening, and prophets, teachers from God saying, God's going to work, God will do something. He's working now, but he will send someone. God will rescue, God will rescue, God will rescue. And it's this, this is what's happened, this is big, big news. God has raised Jesus to life. The Roman soldiers put him on the cross. They checked he was dead. It was finished. It was all over. They thought, there's another strange prophet man who we've managed to put in the grave. Three days later, he's not in the grave anymore. No one had touched him. No one had come to him. No one had prayed over him. God had raised him to life again. The grave clothes are just neatly on the bed. There's a couple of angels at one point in the story talking to the women, saying, what what are you doing here? It's all there, and now he is alive. This is the event. There is nothing bigger in all of history. And Jesus goes to two people who are fed up and sad, walking on the road. See, this tells us Jesus came for the weak, the powerless, and the broken. I'd have done it a little bit different. If I was organizing Jesus' comeback campaign, I wouldn't have gone to two sad, downcast, fed-up people on a dusty track heading north from Jerusalem. There's some other people you want to visit, aren't there? If this is the biggest thing happening in history, if I was Jesus, I'd have gone to see Pilate. Hi, Pilate. Morning. Nice breakfast. Just thought I'd let you know I'm back. 
Or Herod, the king, kind of operating underneath Rome. I'd have gone to see Herod, who was involved in the whole thing of Jesus being crucified. That would have been a great meeting. And if Jesus can just appear and disappear, which it looks like he can, that would have been great as Herod just waking up early that morning, blinking because of the bright sunlight, and just finding Jesus standing by his bed. Morning, Herod. Who's the king now? Anything you want to say? No, thought not. Wouldn't we? Wouldn't we go to the powerful? Wouldn't we go to the rulers? Wouldn't we go to the ones who have put us on the cross? Wouldn't we go to the ones who have taunted and mocked? Wouldn't we want to know the big names, the political rulers, the movers and shakers? We wouldn't want to tell them, hang on, Jesus is real. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one who has come. He is from God. He is the all-powerful one. He is the one who you falsely accused and who you tried to defame his name. He is from heaven. Look, he's alive, Pilate, Herod, all you Sadducees, Pharisees, religious rulers, or whatever this one why not why bother with them why not just go to Caesar himself why not go to the center of power and rule Caesar who would have people worship him they had on their coins they had um, as part of their rituals Caesar is Lord that's what Romans did that's what was one of the reasons why Christians got persecuted you worship Caesar he was a god there were lots of gods but Caesar was a god Jesus please what are you bothering on a dirt track for why are you being mistaken for being a gardener why don't you just go to Caesar let's get this thing wrapped up you're saying you're the king you're saying you've conquered death you're saying nothing can hold you in the grave just turn up at Caesar's palace and let's get this thing sorted come on you would do that wouldn't you Imagine Facebook. What would you change the Facebook status? Was dead, now alive. Imagine the hits that's going to get. Quick selfie with Caesar. Surprising Caesar this morning. Click. Putting that up on YouTube. That's where we would go. Let's make this thing big. Let's make this thing huge. Jesus never came for the powerful. Never came for the influential. Never came for those who put their hope in worldly power, political power, and the might of armies. Jesus came for the broken, the weak, and those who have doubts. That's why we sing. That's why we worship. Because Jesus came for you and me. His kingdom isn't interested in earthly power, in power of armies or technology or communication. He's interested in two people walking back late in the afternoon who are confused as to who he is, sad, as to why the person they put their faith and trust in has hung on a cross and Jesus comes to them. The biggest event, the biggest story in the story, the Bible, is this day. This is huge news. And Jesus doesn't bother with the powerful. He goes to the weak, the broken, and the confused. Jesus comes to those who have questions and doubts. Jesus comes to those who are confused about what's happening. And that means a lot of the time, that will be you and I. And Jesus comes to us. The resurrected Jesus will come right into our brokenness, right into our confusion, and right into our questions and our doubts. That's the kind of kingdom it is. That's the kind of rule that it is. He always did that. That's why the crowds weren't sure if he was the Messiah, because he hung out with the weak people. He hung out with the broken people. He hung out with those of the religion of the day who had called outcasts and couldn't worship to the temple. And Jesus would go and find them and eat with them and heal them or touch lepers or have prostitutes anoint him or go to tax collectors' houses because his kingdom was never about earthly power. 
It was, also a, it was always about a power that would come and lay life down in order that the broken could know life. That's the kingdom. That is what is happening here. And he wanted them to understand he really is the Messiah. He took them through the scriptures to say, look, this does point. This does say this will happen. There is suffering. Maybe he took them to Isaiah 53, where it talks about the one that would come from God, the servant, would suffer and be beaten. Yet, the Messiah is the descendant of David, but actually there's, and who had a mighty army, but there's other scriptures that talk about the one from God will suffer, and he will be crushed. And they began to explain, he began, wanted them to understand that he really was the Messiah. But Rome wasn't the enemy. Sin, selfishness, injustice, and death were the enemy. That's what he came to rescue us from. He was never coming to rescue them from a political ruler. He was never going to come and rescue them from the might of Rome. That wasn't the real enemy. That wasn't the real power. The real power was the sin in human hearts, our injustice, uh, our rebellion from God, and the power of death. Jesus had conquered the power of death, and he wanted them to see it. He wanted them to understand. The women in the garden, the two on Emmaus, on the road to Emmaus, and then later in this story, there's not time to read it this morning, just after those two from Emmaus are in the room, Jesus appears to all of them. He wanted his followers to know, not Caesar, not Herod, not Pilate, his followers to understand, I am the Messiah but I've come to rescue you from a much bigger enemy, a much more powerful enemy, and that enemy is sin, evil, and death. And I have conquered it. I am the rescuer. Later, the writers of the New Testament would understood the full implications of this. If death has been defeated through Jesus' resurrection, we will also be raised with him. We need not fear death either. We need not fear the fact that the world could take our life. We have nothing to lose. This life goes quickly. 50 years, 60, 70, 80, who knows? Some don't have that long. But because Jesus has conquered death, death becomes a doorway into what life was always meant to be with him forever and ever and ever where there is no injustice, no sickness, no pain and no more mourning. If you this morning are a believer in Jesus, that's where you are going. It's done. It's guaranteed. And he wanted his followers to know that. He wanted them to understand a personal Bible study. Look, this points to me. This points to me. This points to me. I am the Messiah. Caesar is still ruling, but I'm the King of Kings because death, sickness, selfishness, injustice in a human heart has been defeated and that means everything changes from now on so why do we fear that's one of the reasons I believe Jesus wanted us to look at this this morning it's one of the reasons I told you the stories hmm. I just feel God wants us me to get really personal for a moment <clears throat> You just pause record for me. This isn't me just getting excited from a text. You put the recording back on. What are you fearful of? There can be all kinds of things in this world. Fearful for our kids. Fearful that there might not be work for us. Fearful that we might not be able to <clears throat> clear our debts. Fearful that something could 
badly going wrong in our families, fearful that the cancer won't be healed or an illness will become, oh, there's plenty we can be fearful about. Fear isn't wrong. Fear is your body's natural instinct to say something's wrong. Do what you can to rescue or get out. Hear me, it's not wrong. What's wrong is when it rules our lives. What's wrong is when it robs us of joy. What's wrong is when it robs us of knowing the peace of Jesus being with us. And if there's one thing our nation needs above everything else, what's going on politically at the moment, goodness, every time we put the news on, you're wondering which political leader's resigned or is going to stand or whatever else. God said he'd shake the nations. He's shaking them. He's shaking the Middle East. He's shaking Turkey. He's shaking Russia. He's shaking Europe. He's shaking the states. If you want to understand, people say, what's going on in America? What's going on in Europe? What's your opinion? We give lots of opinions. The one that the Bible says is God is shaking the nations in order that they will turn to him. And when God shakes, it's time for the church to be courageous and understand that the, the nation's getting shaken, but we're not Because as we stand firm, not because we've got it worked out, not because we've got clever strategies, but because we know that Jesus has conquered death and we live for another story and it's not a story dominated by fear and it's not a story dominated by anxiety. It's a story of hope and certainty that Jesus has dealt with injustice. Jesus has dealt with wickedness and evil. He has conquered death and he rules and he reigns and our confession and our singing is to point the world to that. We know God has acted. We know that God has worked. And the New Testament writers remind the church of this again and again, in the middle of persecution, in the middle of suffering. So in the middle of when it looks like Jesus isn't answering your prayer, Paul says, but this suffering, this trial, will achieve in us an eternal glory because we'll be with him forever and ever. So even in our deepest questions, even when we're crying and thinking, why isn't God sorting this out? Or why is this happening? Or why am I walking through this darkness? Paul says it's but for a moment, because that will refine your faith. More pre- Peter says this, more precious than gold. And you have an inheritance with all the saints. And that inheritance is eternal life, where there is no more pain, no more sickness, and no more death. And Jesus wanted those two to understand this. Look, I'll show you from Scripture, this had to happen, this had to happen, this had to happen. And who is teaching them? A dead man, who's now alive and has fulfilled it. You see, finally, this really is personal. Jesus wanted those two to know this. Jesus came to them in person. He appears to two people. The biggest event, the biggest story in scripture, the biggest thing which is changing history, and Jesus goes to two people. Again, you and I would have done it different. Okay, guys, Jesus is alive. Um, Which stadiums are free? We need to get a stadium. Come on, let's get YouTube going. Let's get Facebook working. uh, Twitter, come on, everyone on your accounts. Hashtag resurrected Messiah. Let's get it out there. Let's fill a stadium. Let's get the Colosseum. Let's go right to Rome. Let's fill that one. I wouldn't go for two people. I wouldn't have gone for the women in the garden. The 11, yeah, maybe appearing to them. But really, let's fill a stadium. This is the biggest news ever. Let's get the media in. Let's get everybody in because the message needs to go around the world. This is big news. God has defeated death. God has defeated evil. I want stadiums full. 
come on, come along with me. We would, wouldn't we? Don't we still want that? Don't we still get excited when a story goes around on Facebook about a celebrity who's supposedly become a Christian? Don't we get excited when a Christian member of parliament gets promoted or stands for party leadership and think, yes, at last. Don't misunderstand me. Of course that's good stuff. Jesus seemed less excited about those things. Because not only did he not go to Caesar, Herod, or Pilate, he didn't fill a stadium. He went to two. And then the 11. And Paul says later, he appeared up to 500 people. That was it. Why? Why did he do it that way? Because Jesus' resurrection is to be experienced and known personally in our hearts and is not meant to be simply a massive media event for the crowds. That was always his plan. It's a personal kingdom. It's a personal salvation. It's a personal bringing from death into life. It's a personal fear go, let hope come. It's a personal instead of despair, let joy come. Not simply because we're sitting in a crowd like this this morning, not simply because we can sing our songs, but because Jesus came to your life because Jesus stepped into your heart, because Jesus said, I've got mercy and grace for you. You can come and be my son. You can be my daughter. And it's personal. Not simply for the mass crowd. Jesus wanted to step right into their lives with a little bit of comedy. They're not going to know it's me. I'll walk with them along the road. And they're not going to know until, oh, so beautiful, he breaks bread. When did they see him last break bread? On the night, around the table, the disciples would have done. We don't know if those two were there or not. But he sat around the table. Listen, everybody, I've been telling you something's going to happen. I've been telling you I'm going to give my life. He didn't say those words, but that would have been there. He took the bread. It's a Passover, the time when they celebrate the sacrifice of a lamb, the time when God rescued them from slavery. It's all the way back earlier on. If you don't know those stories... Um, If you're new to this, ask someone. They can explain it to you. But really powerful stories of where God rescued people from an oppressive ruler, Egypt, rescued them from slavery. And he did it with a lamb being sacrificed. That's what the Passover is. But this time, Jesus was going to be the lamb. And he took the bread. He thanked God. So this is my body given for you. And now, three days later, there's just two people. Jesus breaks bread. And their eyes are opened as he lifts it and gives thanks, and they remember he broke bread. It's him. It's Jesus! He's gone. Where's he gone? Work had been done. They knew it was him. Their hearts burned with fire. Friends, Jesus gave his life, conquered death. Not simply that we can write great songs and sing about it, Not simply that we can be here together and celebrate it, which we should and we are and we're about to do again in a couple of minutes. Two may be a bit ambitious, I'll get there. But in order that you can have your heart burning with fire in your office, in your school, raising your children, praying for that sick person who you're longing for God to heal, going through a trial thinking, when is this going to end? Jesus' resurrection isn't simply a doctrine It's not simply a creed. It's not simply something we state. It's meant to be a personal experience that fills you with hope, that gets you through 
dark, dark days and fills the church with courage because this is our hope. We don't have another story. It's not in the end about our strategies. It's not in the end about influence we can have in the town or in the city. It's not about what God does on the political stage or what God does around the world. He works through that. Don't misunderstand me. He always has done. The Old Testament's full of God working through pagan kings who didn't follow him and working his purposes out. But that was never the hope. That was never the main plan. That's God just maneuvering a few pieces together in order that his son, him himself in human form, would come, lay his life down, and break the power of death. And that not to be headlines on newspapers or social media, but to be retold by people who knew it was true because Jesus had come to them personally. If you're someone who's relatively new to this and trying to work out what does it mean to be a Christian, what does it mean to be part of a church, what you've just heard this morning briefly is the story. That's what it means. And if you want to know more about that, if you want to say, well, I've never experienced that, I've never known that, ask him. We're going to sing in a few minutes. While we do that, just ask him. So I've never prayed before. It's prayer's just talking to him. We make it a bit too religious sometimes. The church has done that for years made it something special it's not something special just talk to Jesus Jesus if you're real if this story's true if what this old bearded bloke at the front has got so excited about is real I want it to be real in my heart ask him talk to someone afterwards ask them questions because this is it it's not about rules regulations it's not about all the stuff that sometimes goes on in the name of church or religion it's about God himself dying being raised again because he was pure and perfect and death couldn't keep hold of him and him being personal not interested in the crowds the media or political powers and earthly powers but a kingdom that comes with love and sacrifice and if you are yes a believer in Jesus but going through some tough tough times let hope come to you sometimes we will be encouraging to one another we'll pray for one another There'll be a genuine hug, a genuine pat on the back, and we all need that. But, so don't misunderstand me. Of course we need that. That's what this is partly for. But what we really need is to know that Jesus has conquered death. Yeah. Every, anything and anything that you're worried about or fearful of this morning, when you, Jesus comes to you in that way and shows that he's conquered death, your perspective really does change. That's the point. It's not simply that we're to be an encouragement and a blessing and have a hug together and a prayer. Of course we should do that. But there's something even better than that. Something even greater than that. And now's the time for the church to find courage. Now's the time for the church to speak about what Jesus has done. Because that was his plan. Because what he then said when he appeared to the rest of the disciples, he took them through the same study. And then he said, now... The plan is for you to talk about this everywhere. I don't need a stadium. I don't need social media. I don't need politicians. And I don't need military rulers. I need people who have met me as the risen Lord who just simply talk about this. That was always the plan. That you tell someone else. Now sometimes they won't listen. Not interested. A bit like Pilate or Herod. Well then find those who are. And find those who are broken. Who have no hope. And tell them how Jesus came and gave you hope. 
Some of them may have technical questions. Some of them may want to know about science and the Bible. Well, you're equipped as a church to handle that. There'll be people here who can help. But often what people simply need to know is that God himself stepped into our broken world. In the middle of everything that's happening in the Middle East, what happened in Germany this week, what happened in France the week before, in order to rescue us from that with love and sacrifice, not with military might or clever politicians, but with people filled with love and the power of his spirit that will point to him. Let's stand. If the band could come up, get ready to take us into worship.